brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The Wisconsin Badgers secured a victory in week one, a 38-17 to win over the Buffalo Bulls. They now are going on to week two, where they're going to face off against a tough opponent in the Washington State Cougars. Stay tuned because we've got a fun show here today. I'm your host, Rohan Chakravarti, the site manager over at Bucky's Fifth Quarter, and get ready for a fun show. Let's kick it off, though, by starting about week one last uh this this past weekend what really went down it's a tale of two halves really the badgers struggled to begin 14 to 10 and then they only pulled across in the second half scoring 24 points only giving up seven points winning comfortably to the tune of 38 to 17 now let's start with the offense because that's really the the place where the questions arose starting off with tanner mordecai was i that impressed with this performance in week one no I, I, I graded it a C minus and I said I was being a little generous because it was his first action. And I also had questions about the play calling as well. But Tanner Mordecai didn't have the best performance of week one. He'll be also the first to tell you that. He, he had two interceptions, solid completion rate. He, had, he, he completed 24 to 31 passes, 100 and I believe 98 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Not the best performance overall, although statistically you might see it otherwise. Why? Because 21 of his passes went for under five yards in terms of air yards. Only two completed passes went for over 15 yards. Um, and so that really dictated, you know, the way the game was played. It was a lot of short passes, not many deep passes. And there wasn't, it, it seemed more of a vanilla-like offense. It wasn't like there was a lot of mixing it up. A lot of screen passes, which Buffalo had started to figure out in the passing game as we got along to the second half. And these short concepts, and again, that was a part of the game plan. They wanted to make sure they got the ball out quick, played up tempo and things like that. But there needed to be a little more flavoring. However, on Mordecai himself, I thought, you know, he looked antsy at times in the pocket. That's also what Phil Longo said after the game. Do I think that was the biggest concern? No. I think overall, uh, majority of the concern was, I think, just 
going through reads sometimes a little too quickly. I didn't necessarily, I, I don't think that Mordecai stuck on progressions. I didn't think that was the issue. I thought he went through reads though a little quickly, trying to get to the check down sooner than later. And again, it's part of the mantra of getting the ball out soon, but there were a couple of options where, you know, you could have had a route that would have been open if you had waited for that route to develop. And it's not like he didn't have, you know, he didn't, he had pressure coming at him every single play. No, there was good protection on a good portion of plays. Mordecai himself, though, didn't get the ball out or got the ball out quicker before the play could develop and set up some of those downfield shots. So there, they were there at certain portions of the game, but I thought that, you know, Mordecai had passed those up in favor of shorter attempts at portions of the game. That's something that I noticed. Other things, I thought Mordecai, I mean, he said it himself. I thought he needed to be a little more consistent. And that's, you know, an interesting thing to say, considering you completed 21 or 24 of 31 passes. You know, that's in the upper upper 70%. That's something that you'd like. But I thought the consistency needs to kind of improve, and that'll kind of continue to improve as you gel more with your receivers. But it didn't look like he always trusted what was out there for him, be it with the receivers and allowing them to uh, to finish developing those routes or the offensive line and looking to get the ball out quicker than you might have wanted to on certain plays. Now, there are plays where the design is absolutely get the ball out quick, get the ball out quick, get the ball out quick. But Braylon Allen had seven catches on the day. He had a lot of catches coming into this game. And it was, you know, a lot of action for the running back on plays where he should have been the fourth read in the progression. And when you when you look at it, they're they're kind of different things that you know you're hoping makes it easier on your quarterback. Longo's offense is that air raid style, but it's also a significant mix of RPO action. And when you talk about RPOs, it's a half, you know, half field read. And I'm not saying that's the case for every single play, but it makes it easier on the quarterback because there's not as much that you have to read. Understanding the hope is to get the ball out quick to one of your first two reads to where if you identify that first read isn't there, you can move it on to the second read. Now, there were certain things that boosted Mordecai's grade that didn't necessarily show up on the stat sheet. The 60-yard dot, right, to Skyler Bell that would have been a touchdown that he had dropped, that significantly boosts Mordecai's stats. You talk about a two-touchdown performance instead of one. You talk about probably 240 yards passing, and, you know, that that fits a little better in terms of when you're measuring out the full uh, average air yard capacity because that was a deep pass that Mordecai had put on the money, but it was incomplete. There were, there were plays like that for sure, but this wasn't the most inspiring performance from Tanner Mordecai to begin the Luke Fickle era, and that is why the Badgers had to rely on the running game for a portion of time. Now, before I get to the running back, I do want to give some thoughts on Phil Longo and the way that he called this game. I said it earlier. I thought this game plan was a little more vanilla than I expected. It's also week one. The Badgers might not want to pull out the full arsenal of their game plan before they get into the games where you truly have to start wondering, can they pull this one out? You know, it, you were expected to win. The Badgers were 28-point favorites going into this game. Only won by 21. I didn't think they'd cover the spread. But, you know, 28-point favorites, there isn't as much concern understanding that you could rely on the run game and have that work. So I thought Longo's offense was a little vanilla, especially in the passing game specifically in terms of, you know, scheming up a majority of shorter throws. I would have liked to see these deep to short progressions where, you know, you you do try or at least have your quarterback, trust your quarterback to test out some deeper throws, even on an off day, test out some deeper throws. And if those progressions are, aren't open, 
you have the shorter option that's still there. Now, there were some of those, and Mordecai obviously passed him up for the shorter throw as a part of the game plan, but you do hope that that kind of gets mixed in and is also executed. Let me talk, though, about something that I really like from Longo's offense, the running game. I mean, it was clear that the running game, you know, would still be a priority when Longo first arrived in March, but you wouldn't, you didn't really know what kind of impact that he would have on the running game before he really started calling plays. But the Longo offense is designed for, you know, good running backs. It's not just an air raid scheme where you're passing so much and it's quarterback friendly. It's also running back friendly because with the way that they operate their spread offense with three receivers on the field, with a bunch of personnel that widens out the field, it's lighter in the box because defenses have to account for all those receivers. They can't just account for, uh, you know, the box and leave pure one-on-one matchups all across the board. And even if they just leave one-on-one matchups, that lightens up the box given the way that the Badgers are operating, you know, even tight ends going out as big slots, having four type of receivers out there at times, you, you could have these different allotments and that allows for lighter boxes. When the Badgers offensive line, when this specific unit is going up against one-on-one matches in the run game and is able to, you know, secure their block, it's an explosive play. You trust these guys to get one-on-one blocks done. It's when you have six or seven guys coming against a five-man front. That's where you start to worry, you know, because the box is so stacked because teams don't, they're daring you to throw the ball downfield. Now, An issue that I had, though, when you talk about this vanilla type of offense that we saw in week one is without the lack of downfield shots, you might see a team like Washington State that trust the athleticism on the back end, that trust the speed that they have and the capability in that secondary to potentially be more aggressive and try and stop the run at a higher rate and dare Mordecai to throw. That's why I would have liked, you know, a little more of a mix of downfield passing because it's not like Mordecai can't hit deep throws. It's just they weren't attempted at a high rate at all on in in week one you know only two completions in excess of 15 plus air yards that's that's saying something for sure but on longo's offense pass game i certainly think there's some improvements the run game however i thought was phenomenal the way that he opened lanes up the way that he trusted his running uh his running backs and his blockers set up nine explosive plays of 10 plus yards Those nine plays on its own got 233 yards on the ground. Ches Malusi, 157 yards on 13 carries, two touchdowns. Braylon Allen, 141 yards, 17 carries, two touchdowns. A really, really strong day for the Badgers on the run, uh, on on the ground. And I think that this offense, running game-wise, is going to open up even more than it has in the past with the way that Longo operates and the way that he calls games. That's That's a significant factor as well. But I do want to talk about these running backs. Just wrote an article on them. Be sure to check it out over at Bucky's Fifth Quarter where we're posting a lot of cool content, a lot of stuff integrating what players are saying, what coaches are saying, mixed in with their own thoughts, you know, to provide you some intriguing articles for sure. So make sure that you go ahead and you check that out. But talking on the running backs, I, I, I've said it a little bit. I've hinted at it, but I, I truly believe it after seeing what we've seen in week one. I think Ches Malusi is the perfect fit for a Phil Longo offense. A guy who doesn't hesitate, but has good patience in order to hit the holes. He's a guy who rounds downfield. Sorry, runs downfield, excuse me. He's a guy who runs downfield and is able to get good yardage on those downfield runs. In an offense like this, where it's spread out and you essentially just need someone to hit the hole and run hard in order to gain an explosive play, Malusi fits that. And I think that, you know, him 
And while he might not be the biggest back, I, I don't think that that's as big of an issue in, in this offense. Not going to be the most talented skill-wise, right? He doesn't have the fastest speed. He doesn't have the strongest strength. doesn't have any of those necessarily attributes. Although, don't sleep on him because I do think he's looking faster for sure this year. Fresh off injuries, you know, not many of those type of issues facing uh, facing him. But I think he's a great fit for this offense for Phil Longo. And Braylon Allen is Braylon Allen, right? Am I the highest on him compared to others? No. But I do I think he's a solid, solid NFL, or sorry, college running back? Yes. And I think that, I mean, he still can make it work for sure in this offense because of his talent you know he's got good strength he's got solid speed to complement the strength that his size i think he's got the full package as well and so that's where you you look at this strong running back unit and you're going to think this is going to be a team like the unc offense back in 2020 or 2021 when javante williams and michael carter both rushed for over 1000 yards in a season at that unc you know in at unc with sam hallett quarterback you've got a solid quarterback option but also some really solid running backs think you're going to see two potential 1,000 yard rushers for the Badgers in 2020, uh, 2023, similar to how they had it in 2021, although the roles are now reversed with Malusi being the two and Allen being the one as opposed to the opposite way back in 21 when Allen was a true freshman and Malusi was a transfer from Clemson. Strong outing though from the running backs and definitely the strength of the team at the moment, despite the 40, uh, sorry, despite the Badgers, excuse me. Um, having solid running uh, wide receivers and having a quarterback who has a high pedigree as well. This is the strength of the team at the moment. Let's move over to the, to the defense because the defense was the tale of two halves, you know, a, a bit of struggles in the first half, 14 to 10, although the offense didn't do too many favors with the significant amount of punts that they ended up having defense though, 10 points allowed in the first, uh, in the first half, only seven in the second half. And when you look at those seven, they came off a Tanner Mordecai interception, where the 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 opposing offense had the ball already in Wisconsin territory deep there near the red zone. And so, you know, you can take those seven points as you wish. But I thought the defense played pretty darn well, especially in the second half and adjusting. There are a couple of takeaways, though, after speaking with coaches and players that I want to point out. Let's start with the bad, I'll say. We'll, we'll end with the good. We'll end on a good note. Kamoy Latu had five missed tackles on the day. Um, not a great day for Kamoy Latu, especially in the first half where it seemed like, you know, he was the old version of Kamoy Latu, the, the one that was over-aggressive, not with the best angles, missing tackles, that kind of portion of him where, you know, you have over uh, you have aggressiveness and you hope that that aggressiveness plays, but you want to channel that aggressiveness to play like yourself, but also play sound football. Wasn't the case for Kamoy Latu in the first half. I thought he was one of the lone Badgers that struggled in the first half for the uh, uh, for Wisconsin and their defense. And Kamoy say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill wilson you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar how did you do it i got a huge assist from grammarly an ai writing partner that helped me make my point and it works everywhere i write summarizing a doc only took one click when everyone uses grammarly 
everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Latu definitely not the best first half. He did settle down a little bit in the second half. You know, he had a nice PBU on a near interception where he got hit by his own player. Had a, a, another nice stop, a run stop that was, um, you know, that forced like a third and short. And then the, the opposing offense was not able to convert. You had a couple of good plays from Kumoy Latu for sure. I think he's going to look to build off the second half in the next game, but the Badgers need sound play from their from their safeties, especially when it comes to week two, where you're going to have to have quarterback contain and really opens up more avenues for that offense where you've got 11 on 11 football overall. So, you know, definitely different things to to, to look at for the, for the Badgers. And I think that Kumoy Latu, He's a guy who will need to improve on his performance this week. But a good guy, his his teammate, Hunter Wolder. Hunter Wolder was phenomenal in week one. I thought Hunter Wolder had a great, great half. Uh, I mean, sorry, a great game. You know, he set the tone early on, had two really key plays on the first drive itself, combining with Alex Smith for a tackle and then making another play on his own, forcing an early punt. You know, it was a great uh, great start for Hunter Wolder. And overall, I thought he set the tone well. You know, he's going to be a player who's going to be versatile, play around the box, play around the line of scrimmage a lot more this year because the Badgers trust Latu and Travion Blaylock on the back end. And... I thought he, you know, he he filled his role well. He was his he's an instinctual player, a guy who he doesn't mind hitting hard, and he's a guy who's, you know, he's calm in the way that he he's calm but aggressive in the way that he plays. That's the way that you kind of want to see a safety. I think the Badgers have a a really start a really really stout starting safety here in Hunter Wohler, the biggest breakout candidate of the team, and I think that you know that's something that you'll uh, he, you'll le- definitely be looking for for the rest of the season from him a guy who can set the tone for this defense with some of the key veterans gone. I think that that's important for sure. And Hunter Wolder, a good start for him. Moving on to another takeaway. I don't necessarily think this is good or bad, but more so urgency. Let's go to corner because the Badgers have a couple of cornerbacks that are intriguing this year. You got Nizier Fork Run, who I'd been telling you guys was going to be able to play in the rotation week one. The Badgers want cornerback rotation because they don't want a guy in the heat playing 72 snaps, tiring him out early in the season so that they're not ready or they're not as prepared at the end of the season. So Nizier Fork Run was going to play. He rotated in with Alex Smith. They played the boundary side field while Rico Holman played the field side. Now, for those of you guys that don't know, I clarified in an article earlier uh, this week, the boundary side is the shorter side of the field. It's the side that is the quarterbacks are usually more comfortable in throwing to. It's easier to make those throws while the field side's the wide side. You know, it's harder for a quarterback to put a ball over a defender to the far side of the field, making it, you know, those, those throws are tougher. So it usually doesn't see as much action on that side of the field. You want your press man guys, the guys who are playing at the line of scrimmage to be on the boundary side, you know, make it harder. Your better cornerbacks to be on the boundary side. You want the guys maybe playing off coverage to be more so on that field side. And that's what the Badgers do, right? They've got, especially in this Mike Trestle defense, you've got a guy playing press, you've got a guy playing off um, and it's in that alignment. Alexander Smith, Nizer Forkron, they both played the boundary side. And I thought that they both did a good job. Smith's tackling has been an underrated element of his game stemming from last year. He's a very solid tackler despite being only around 5'11", maybe 190 pounds. Forkron, though, he's also a good player. And the good thing is those those two guys, at least Forkron on his own, has height. He's 6'1". You know, the Badgers have struggled with shorter corners, which has limited, limited them when they try and play press because... 
of the size disadvantage that they have at corner. Nizer Forkron, though, is a 6'1 guy. He's a guy who can at least fit the mold of one of those press corners that the Badgers want. Not necessarily, you know, your 6'3 sauce gardener type of player, but he's a guy who could fit the mold for sure of that type of corner. And I think that that's a good sign that they were able to get him in the transfer portal, uh, a key, key player, and he'll play a lot this year. However, the biggest question here, like I said, the Badgers need some depth at the position. They don't currently have it. And they have three guys in the rotation that they played in week one. That fourth guy was going to be Michael Mack, the Air Force transfer who has two years of starting experience and is a solid corner himself, you know, a guy who you can at least trust upon to be a dependable veteran. However, Michael Mack's, uh, you know, his, uh, uh, what do you call it? His waiver was denied. He, at the moment, does not seem like he's going to play in 2023. Luke Fickle hinted at his former school, Air Force, as being the leading catalyst as to why that might occur. And he didn't really seem very happy with the way that they were handling the situation. Mac at the moment, though, his waiver is denied, does not seem like he'll play in 23. And he would have been a great fit because he's a 6-1 corner, you know, allows you to do a couple of different things and allows you to rotate players to give them a little bit of break. Maybe, you know, rotate one guy to the field side, rotate the other guy to the boundary side, give that uh, guy who is rotating the field side a little break uh, uh, to where they're not consistently in the action and hurting their body. And so... Unfortunately, you don't necessarily have that now because you don't want to rotate Ricardo Hallman, a five nine corner, to the boundary side as much as you want, you know, as much as you would if it was a six one Michael Mack. And so you might see those two guys in Forkron and Smith primarily sticking to the boundary, requiring more rotation, while Hallman sticks to the field side. And you're going to need a fourth cornerback because Hallman can't play 71 snaps, or at least it's not desirable that he plays 71 snaps every single game. You know, it's taxing on a player, especially in this heat. So the fourth guy at the moment, it looks like it's going to be true freshman Jonas Duclona, a guy who's seen on the two deep, a guy who uh, head coach Luke Fickle said is definitely the fourth guy in the room right now, because if you look at the depth behind him, the next guy would be AJ Tisdale. Uh, sorry, not AJ Tisdale, uh, Jace Arnold, the other true freshman who was, you know, who flashed at times this uh, this offseason, but still is raw. The issue, though, I mean, Jaclona himself is raw. He's a 5'10 corner as well. He's not that big, so he's going to be relegated primarily to the field side. Um, and he might even play some nickel. But, you know, he's a 5'10 corner who's raw, who needs some seasoning. But you're going to have to kind of get that seasoning in the game. They're going to throw them in. They're going to likely throw him in the game sooner than later because, they don't plan to redshirt him. He's not a guy who they want to stash to just four games this year. He's already trying to play on special teams. And so you're going to see him being rotated in. And that might lead to, you know, him getting picked on a little bit, even if he's on the field side, which makes it a little more difficult for quarterbacks to throw that side. I think they're going to try and test, you know, opposing quarterbacks are going to try and test the, the, the true freshman cornerback. And I think that he's going to be a guy who you definitely have to kind of look at um, for this defense. So Jonas Declona, that's a guy who you kind of have to watch. And that's a guy who, you know, when you talk about it, I think that's somebody who you, you're going to have to kind of think about for week two. Jonas Declona is a guy who, you know, he, he's going to just going to see the field. Who knows how that ends up happening? Uh, but he's going to see the field potentially even in week two because the Washington State team, they've got, you know, they're, they're a talented team offensively. And they've got, you know, good offense. They've got good options um, when you talk about their offense. They, they're they a solid team. And offensively, I mean, they've got Cam Ward. They've got, you know, a, a high-octane offense that scored 50 points. And they also like to play tempo. 
They're a tempo offense similar to the Badgers, even more tempo, I'd say. And so that's going to require some rotation. Otherwise, players are going to gas out earlier than later. And so that's something you might see. But defense week one, thought they bounced back well. I thought they had a pretty solid game overall. And I'm excited to see what they do in week two because you're going to have a, a tougher battle for sure. One that the Badgers ultimately might lose because you're facing a good offense. You're facing a quarterback that's a dual threat candidate. And that doesn't bode well usually for a team that misses some tackles. The Badgers, that's a that's an area where they're going to have to refine. Hunter Roller knows it. You know, that's the that's probably the biggest area of concern. You're hoping that that kind of cleans up in week two. Well, let's talk about week two. Odds-wise, the Badgers right now, 6.5-point favorites. And they could definitely clear the spread. They could definitely easily, uh, you know, um, get the, uh, you know, win by more than 6.5 points. But I think that overall, this is going to be a tougher opponent than people might anticipate. Washington, excuse me, Washington State is not a bad team. They got 50 points, again, against a Colorado State team last week. But they have a solid offense, and they run good tempo. They're a well-coached team. I think that this is definitely a game where if you look at it on the schedule, I don't know if it's going to be as low scoring as last year where, you know, it was only 31 points in the game. The over-under is set at around 58 and a half right now. I think it's going to be a much more high-octane offense game, but this is going to be a challenge for the Badgers and one that I don't know, you know, at the moment where you might slate in Badgers uh, winning other games. I don't know if they're truly ready for this game yet. Do I think they win? Yes. I, I do think they pull out a victory here. I think they'll start the season 2-0, heading back home to face Georgia Southern in Week 3. But I think that this is a game where you could truly characterize it as a toss-up. This game is a little closer than people anticipate. And that Washington State team, I don't think that they're, you know, they're, they're something to joke about. So the Badgers, they're going to have to come out. They're going to have to play clean. That's something Luke Fickle emphasized. In games like these, you're going to need to play clean because tempo – usually leads to mistakes on one side or another because you're playing fast, you're playing fast, you're playing fast. But somehow the Badgers are going to have to find a way to out, essentially out clean, out, outplay, the, outplay Washington State in a clean manner while also being able to handle the tempo both offensively and defensively. Offensively, though, I'm curious to see, does the game plan change a little bit? Understanding that Washington State has explosive play potential, do you channel more deep passes after such a short pass, you know, oriented offense in week one, do you channel more deep passes? That's something that I'm curious to see. And I'm excited. I, I want Tanner Mordecai to push the ball downfield. I do think he has that ability. And I think that the batter's offensive line is better than you expect. I do think that that ability can be there. So I'm looking, you know, for the Badgers to potentially push the ball downfield and at least Create more variety in your offense. It's not just downfield shot after downfield shot after downfield shot, but mix in the deep shots, mix in the intermediate shots, and mix in the wide array of short passes that the Badgers have already shown that they can handle. You have all three options alongside a strong running game, and that's going to be an offense where the Badgers you know, can really seriously um, become a contender with. However, at the moment, they're not there yet. I don't think the passing offense is as you know special as, you, uh, as you'd hope it would have been, at least in week one. Again, growing pains and things like that, you're there. But I think the Badgers still have room to grow, especially in the passing game, because 
once that passing game can improve, then the run game itself will see more benefits from it. You're going to see similar, you know, similar, similar ideologies to what you saw in week one, where it's going to be not as, not as stacked boxes, which allows for more explosive plays, especially when you have the offensive line, the Badgers have, as well as the strong running game, the Badgers have. I think there's a lot that can go on in this week two matchup. And so that leads us to the question, are the Badgers on upset watch in week two? I think that they are. I do think they pulled this game out, but I do think that this one's going to be a tough opponent. Let's see. Let's hope that the Badgers prove me wrong and win by 25 points. You know, uh, that, that could definitely be the case. But I think this is going to be a tough opponent for Wisconsin. And this is one that's going to truly test their grit. You know, their first road game of the season in a different stadium with different environment. And this is one where they're going to have a, you know, a tough opponent that they lost to last year. Doesn't seem like, you know, revenge is necessarily on the Badgers' mind. I don't know if that's the best word. Seems they're level-headed getting into this game despite the loss last year. But you're going to be sure. I mean, this is a game that they definitely want to win. Understanding the history, understanding players attached to the Washington State program initially from Wisconsin as well. And understanding you want to continue to keep this Luke Fickle kind of hot streak riding so that you can go into the conference games with an undefeated slate and you could start to make some noise and potentially win the Big Ten West. We'll see, though, it all kicked down Saturday. This is a 6.30 Central Time game. It's a, a bit of a later start. It's going to be a fun one. It's definitely going to be a fun one. Stay tuned for all the coverage because we're going to have you guys with a lot of new coverage, some new writers as well sooner than later, and it's going to be a great, great week for uh, Badgers content. Make sure you guys follow along at Bucky's Fifth Quarter as well as subscribe over here. Thank you guys, though, and we'll see you guys next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.